0: Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Sanctuary. It is week 10. We are over halfway through the fantasy season. If you are looking for the answers to your fantasy questions, you are in the right place. We're going to walk through every single matchup of the week 10 slate, taking you through the best starts, the best DFS plays, And of course, dropping a few little dynasty nuggets along the way. I'm joined by the one and only Tom. Tom, we're going to dive straight into, in in my opinion, the matchup of the week. I am fascinated to see Trevor Lawrence, who has been, in my eyes, really impressive from an NFL perspective, but has been average for fantasy, should we call it that? Do you think that going up against this awesome San Francisco defense, it could be finally the week we see Trevor Lawrence break out?
1: yeah and it's it's a really good place to start you talking about how trevor lawrence hasn't been fantastic for fantasy purposes so far because you look at things and you zoom out slightly and he said zero 20 point game so far this season he is the qb 20 in points per game which that's just not going to do it for a guy who we drafted in the top 10 rounds of redraft who we expected was going to take this leap forward and I'm not, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. I'm not saying that I don't think Trevor Lawrence can be successful this year or anything. But we would like to see it sooner rather than later. The Niners' defense isn't as tough as it used to be this year that teams have been able to get it them through the air. You know, uh, San Francisco allow the fourth most fantasy points to wide receivers, the second most to outside wide receivers. So you'd like to see Calvin Ridley stay hot. They seem to make a concerted effort to get him going in the last game. I think this is a game where Travis Etienne, you're probably looking to be able to play him in DFS, in redraft, of course, you're playing him. He's been a top five running back in his last four games. And yeah, it just really, it comes down to whether we see a re-emergence of Zay Jones at some point. The team this week talked about how IR wasn't being ruled out for him, but he's practically not played for the entire season at this point. And if he does come back, what does it look like? Evan Ingram is a player who's done very well. He's a tight end seven, but I'm not sure I'd feel massively confident about starting him against the Niners, like that middle of the field area where the linebackers and safeties come into play. That feels like more of a strength than on the perimeter. Um, So if I've got an option, I'd possibly take it there. In terms of the Niners, though, I think what we're looking to see is how much does Brock Purdy settle down? We saw before the bye... The three weeks running, they had, he had nine turnover-worthy plays, which was second most behind only Gardner Minshew across that streak. So can he take care of the ball better? Can he kind of rediscover the more on-routine form that Carl Shanahan loves? Brandon Ayuk, he's had two top-ten finishes. Everything else has been wide receiver 22 or worse. So it'd be nice to see a bit of consistency from him. But Debo Samuel's going to be back. He's off the injury report. He's healthy. It still feels like where the Jags' weaknesses is probably on the outside wide receivers. They allow the fourth most fantasy, sorry, they allow the most points in the league to wide receivers playing on the boundary. And we know that's a Brandon Ayuk strength, whereas Devo's going to be working the middle a lot more. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be fantastic. And hopefully, this just lives up to the offensive potential. You can see there. Down at the bottom of the screen, we've got the DVOA ratings. The Niners ranked number one in offensive DVOA. The Jags are 13th. So hopefully the Jags come into it in good form and we get the kind of matchup we're hoping for.
0: Yeah, I think I mean the Jags are basically the one defence in the NFL that's saying, please, please throw on us, isn't it? So it, I think hopefully it's keyed up for what should be a fantastic game. I'm fascinated by Brock Purdy. There seems to be this kind of talk around at the moment that Brock Perry's been shown up in the last three weeks and he's, you know, shown his flaws. He's not a real starting quarterback. Yes. He struggled against Cleveland's shock. I think Cleveland are the best defense in the NFL. I think a lot of teams are going to do that. He was poor against Minnesota, but I think everyone's allowed a poor game. I was thought last week against Cincinnati, he played well. And I think that if people are buying into this, you know, it trope, whatever you like, that Brock Purdy is, is a bad quarterback and he's being shown up. I think it's a fantastic by-low window. If you're in a super flex league, I've seen him go in four trades this week. All four of them, I thought, were undervalued and I'd have quite happily paid more for all four of them. So I think that, yeah, maybe maybe I didn't do a good enough job sniffing around Brock Purdy and, and trying and go and buy some in my leagues, but I'm certainly going to go and do some more tonight because I think if you can get him for a... Probably a first, maybe a little bit more. I think that's a great deal. He's he's approaching that territory where I'd play probably a first and two seconds for him right now. So if you can buy low, I think definitely go and do that because uh, this could, as you said, be a really interesting uh, blow up week th- this week.
1: I think it's a really interesting point. And obviously, you know, I, I bad out your dynasty expertise more often than like try to dole it out myself. But there are so many quarterbacks who are on rockier ground than Brock Purdy right now. The Niners aren't going to be in position to draft a player highly next year. I don't think they're going to be in a position to draft a player highly any year unless they kind of make the aggressive trade-up they did for Trey Lance. And after that link, uh, after that trade, I don't think they're going to be in a rush to do that. And I think that Brock Purdy is completely fine for what they're after. They're not a team who's going to have lots of cap room every year I mean, the minute we have got a reasonable amount. But yeah, Perhaps if Kirk Cousins hadn't tore his Achilles, perhaps you could tell yourself a story where they got interested in him again. But no, I think Brock Purdy is one of the safer quarterback buys you can buy at the minute in Dynasty.
0: Yeah, and we talked about the Trey Lance trade. The reason why Shanahan and and Lynch haven't been destroyed for that Trey Lance trade-up is because of Brock Purdy. And they need Brock Purdy to work. Otherwise, there's going to be question marks asked about them. The reason why they've been able to spend on Debo Kittle, Trent Williams, all the the players on defense, Bosa, Fred Warner, is because they've got Brock Purdy under center, who's on one of the cheapest contracts in the league. They they'd be stupid to not pay him whatever it is nine hundred thousand per year over the next two years and get average quarterback play because it means they can get studs all across the roster. So yeah, I think Brock Purdy's going nowhere for at least the next year, year and a half, two years. And for me, that's easily worth the price you have to pay in Dynasty. We are here, though, answering your questions. We've already got one in from Thomas. He says, half PPR, pick one wide receiver and one flex. He's got Michael Pittman, Dotson, Thielen, Godwin and Matteson.
1: Well, it was a couple of players here I really like this week, and Handerson Dotson and Chris Godwin. But I think it'd be tricky to play both of them ahead of the likes of Adam Phelan, who's got a very nice matchup, and even Michael Pittman, who's got a pretty decent matchup himself. So I think I'd probably lean towards going with Phelan, and then I'd probably just go with Pittman, even though I'd be more than happy playing both Dotson and Godwin after him.
0: Yeah, it's a a good good decision to be making, I think, let's be honest. I've got the two, so Thielen and Pittman would be where I'd go here as well, Thomas. Um, Diving across to the highest over-under on the week, not a single game over 50. Houston at Cincinnati, breaking news minutes before we came on the show, Tom. T Higgins is out this week. How does that affect things for Cincinnati, but also for this matchup?
1: I think we were kind of expecting at least one of the Bengals' wide receivers to miss after both Jamar Chase and uh, T. Higgins missed yesterday. It's a real shame for Higgins, who had his first 100-yard game of the year. He's only had one game with a touchdown, or one game where he scored touchdowns. So he hasn't quite gotten going. But T. Higgins, this is just a story of his NFL career, isn't it? It's so many games where... He's kind of questionable coming into the week and you have to work out whether you can start him or not. I don't have the stats in front of me, but I feel fairly convinced that Jamar Chase in games without T. Higgins sees an absolutely massive workload. Jamar Chase said to reporters that in his head, he's approaching it that he's going to be playing. So I think we can count on that. The Texans allow the ninth highest yards per attempt and Joe Burrow, he's getting hot at the right time of year. You know He was the QB 26 over the first four weeks. He's been the QBA over the last four weeks. Like it seems like he's really dialed in at the minute. And the Texans, they're they're a pass funnel. They allow 3.3 yards per carry on defense, which is second best. But you can get at them through the air. The Bengals for the other side of things, I think they're gonna to have to expect a lot of passing attack from the Texans. The Texans are third in pass DVOA, they're 31st in rush DVOA. And their running game's just been hopeless all year. Damian Pierce has been awful. Devin Singletary's been awful. It's just been, I mean, there's no running backs in this game that I'd be excited about starting. Joe Mixon, he's been a top 16 RB for three weeks he's got touchdowns. Otherwise, he's averaged RB 23. So even though he's kind of getting the workload and stuff, it's fine. Whereas on the other side of the ball, Damian Pierce hasn't even been getting the workload. He's RB 42 and points per game. He's look miserable out there. He looks like, you know, he can't get into the end zone from inside the five-yard. And I'm not sure that we need to try and get crazy here. You know, we've just seen CJ Stroud throw for over 400 yards and five touchdowns. We've seen Nico Collins be very good all year. We've seen Tank Dell be very good all year. And then Dalton Schultz, I, I'm a little bit late to the Dalton Schultz party. I thought that the usage might not be sticky, but he said I'm 27%. Dalton. he's had a 27% target share over the last four games, four uh, top six games in his last five. So yeah, we can absolutely load up on Dalton Schultz and this is a game which I would expect to be very popular for DFS stacks this week.
0: Yeah. It feels like if, if Higgins is going to be out, maybe it just condenses the options and, and makes it easier to, to kind of stack a, basically attack this matchup i was looking whilst you were talking there tom so jamal chase he's played 31 games in his career with t higgins averaging 18.3 fantasy points in the six games he's played without t higgins he scored 22.2 fantasy points so averaging four more points he sees almost 11 targets a game without t higgins averaging 88 yards and a touchdown so yeah feels like if if as long as jamal chase is healthy you know, he's, he's dealing with his own bruise on his back. Um, It could be scary if he's out, but fingers crossed it's wheels up for chase. And yeah, that chase burrow stack with plenty of bring back options looks particularly appealing. Um, Martin, one of our members is in the chat. He's saying, uh, is it a Trenton Irwin week with Higgins out? Is there, I guess, a secondary receiver in Cincinnati that you'd be targeting?
1: I don't mind taking shots on Trenton Irwin if you're if you're in a deep dynasty league or something like that where you know you've got these really big benches. There's a lot of bye weeks going on this week. It's not an easy week to be scrabbling around on the waiver wire, but I mean, you just you're just looking for a warm body a lot of the time, aren't you? I mean, Trenton Irwin's had 11 receptions so far this year, one red zone target, one deep target, nothing that's like overly inspiring. He's got 100 yards on the season, so. It's not like we can really lean into it and know what to expect. I can tell you, though, I probably won't be leaning into either of the tight ends because it seems to be a three-way rotation between Irv Smith, Drew Sample, and the other guy, the rookie Tanner Hudson. Hudson. Um, Irv Smith had a season-high 26 yards last week. He did get into the end zone, but it's like the volume isn't there. The tight end position for the Bengals is such a rotation, and they just don't really target that position enough to make it worthwhile so I'd rather take a shot on Trenton Irwin than one of the tight ends.
0: Yeah if, if you want to get maybe I'm getting too deep in the weeds here but Andre Yoshivas the uh, the big bodied Princeton rookie he's um, you know an absolute athletic freak he was big bodied ex-decathlete he's been running sort of 10-15 snaps a, a week he's got in the end zone I don't no, for sure. But just the fact that he's that bigger bodied, maybe he can step in for T Higgins. Um, If he can get any sort of usage, maybe he's a, a true dart throw that can get in the end zone. I imagine he's going to be dirt cheap on on whatever platform you're playing on, probably free on most of your wave wires if you're that desperate. But um, if you are here, guys, we've got plenty of people in the chat talking through. Get those questions in. Get them, even if you're not live, we will answer 100% of the questions that we get asked after this chat, if you are watching it on YouTube and uh, yeah, just let Tom know. I don't even know what hat he's wearing today. If you want to talk about his hat, get in and do it. The next matchup, up, the, I want to say the London game, but it's not. It's in Germany this week, isn't it? Indianapolis at New England. The Patriots are really beat up. Potentially no left tackle, potentially no JC Jackson. Does that make this more interesting or do you think this is going to be Bill Belichick embarrassing Gardner Minshew in Germany?
1: It's definitely not as good as last week's Germany game, is it? I think you look at what we've got here and it could have been so much more interesting if the Patriots had taken that kind of offensive step forward, that we hope, than the Bill O'Brien. If Anthony Richardson had been playing, then you could feel better about the product that was going to be out there. But you've got Mac Jones, who's the QB 30 in points per game. You've got Gardner Minshew, who's the QB 33 in points per game. Minshew's had two sub-10-point fantasy games as starter in the last four. Mac Jones is working with virtually nothing whatsoever at the minute. You know, the wide receiver room has been decimated with injuries. You've got Kendrick Bourne on IR. You've got Devontae Parker still dealing with concussion injuries. But I think that there's reason to be optimistic about Ramondre Stevenson. You know, he had a season-high 129 yards last week. He had a career-high 60-yard run. And the Colts aren't a team who are particularly strong against the position. You can see on screen there, the Colts allowed a fourth-most fantasy points to the running back position. New England, they allow the sixth-most running back targets. So it's also a game where I'm looking at Jonathan Taylor. I think if you want to get really different, you can try playing Zach Moss. But Jonathan Taylor seems to have pulled away slightly, just earning more of a role again. He had 23 touches in Week 9, which was a season high. So I feel confident about him. I don't want to get overly aggressive with this game, though, because it just feels like this game could be a low-scoring affair Under over is 43.5, and I wouldn't have been surprised if it was in the sort of high 30s, 38.5 or so. I don't mind starting Michael Pittman if you're looking for a DFS showdown captain. I always prefer to be on the wide receivers than running backs. And New England allow the eighth most wide receiver fantasy points. And as you mentioned, New England's cornerback room is a mess. They're having all sorts of like discipline issues and bits like that at the moment so I don't think that's an area we need to worry about. On the Patriots' side, DeMario Douglas, Juju Smith-Schuster, both had sort of season highs in usage, but I'd probably lean towards the tight end position. Uh, The Colts have fifth most fantasy points to tight ends, and Hunter Henry has had a reasonable role most of the season, even if it hasn't been particularly explosive.
0: Yeah, I basically concur with everything you said. This feels like a really ugly matchup. I mean, I was just having a little look... <clears throat> Excuse me, whilst you were talking, 95% of the cash is on the under, 94% of tickets bet have been on the under, and the under's already dropped to 43. So I wouldn't be shocked to see that get closer towards the 40 number as the week comes, particularly with some of these guys that are getting eliminated. Um, my Dynasty Nugget here, I talked about it in my article that went out to our Discord members. I really like Zach Moss as kind of a buy for 2024. I think, as you said, Jonathan Taylor is taking over this backfield. I think we're going to start to see Zach Moss almost as the forgotten man in this backfield moving forward. But he is a free agent. I think if you are looking towards 2024 and and rebuilding, he's a really nice cheap option that you can buy that could potentially see a massive value boost in the offseason. If he gets signed somewhere, as you know, at worst a 1B back in free agency, but he's got a chance to be a you know, a lead back somewhere. Definitely,
1: what, what would you pay for him?
0: I'd, I'd happily pay a late second, but I don't think you have to go and pay that. I think you can probably get him for a third, maybe a couple of thirds, or maybe just get him as a throw in in, in a bigger deal. Um, but I think he's a, a really interesting, cheap acquisition if you're looking towards 2024. Um one question we've got back to the the Cincinnati game is uh should I play Tyler Boyd if there is no Higgins?
1: Yeah, I would be. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I think Tyler Boyd's probably going to end up being in that sort of wide receiver three range for me. Um obviously it depends who you're starting over, I guess, but um but yeah, he's he's definitely in the startable conversation. Um another perhaps not so sexy matchup in terms of two great defenses going up. Not expecting a huge amount of points in this one either, Tom. Your Baltimore Ravens go up against the best defence in the league, Cleveland Browns. You expecting big things?
1: It's going to be tricky. Obviously, the last game was when Deshaun Watson bottled out of it on the day and decided (laughs) that he couldn't play despite being medically cleared. So it'll be interesting to see what he's like. Yes, he looked okay last week, but his completion percentage against the Cardinals was 63%. The Cardinals have allowed all but two other quarterbacks to have a higher rate than Matt. So it wasn't like he came out and was automatically great in a matchup that was very straightforward. So now against the Ravens, who've been excellent at limiting deep shots and on the road in Baltimore, it'll make for quite an interesting game. I think really what we're looking for is just... What do the running games look like? Kareem Hunt's had five touchdowns in his last four games. Jerome Ford's averaged 75 yards per game over the last four. Can either of them separate from the other? It felt a little bit like it's been more Jerome Ford is getting a little bit more of the work as he's kind of gotten back from that. It's called a high ankle sprain, but I'm not sure that it really was if he was back on the field so quickly. And then on the Ravens side, Gus Edwards, six touchdowns in the last three games. There is going to be regression there. It's been frustrating for people with Lamar Jackson in fantasy leagues because he's had back-to-back low scores. But Gus Edwards isn't going to keep scoring touchdowns at this rate. I think it's going to be, you know, there are going to be games where Lamar blows up through the air. He leads the league in completion, rec- oh, rec- completion rate. He's been fantastic. So, yeah, like you said, this one... The strength of both teams at the minute is how their defences have been playing. The Ravens, though, they do have 115-point point differential, which is 30 more than any other team. They have been able to absolutely run up the score in the first quarters, and uh, hopefully Keaton Mitchell is healthy. He got added to the injury report today with a hamstring injury, which is what kind of he's bothered him just slightly. But yeah, it was a great performance of the weekend with 134 yards, one touchdown. RB5 last week, the number one rated running back by PFF. If he plays, I'm probably not starting him in redraft. I think you could take some shots in large field DFS tournaments, but I'd be a little bit hesitant to just suddenly give him a massive workload but, yeah, I think Mark Andrews definitely in play. Small stacks would be the way I'd take this game on in DFS. Lamar with Mark Andrews because nobody wants to play Lamar Jackson lately. And he is a tight end too. He leads the position in touchdowns with six. Scored two against the Browns last time they played. Has decent numbers against the Browns throughout his career. And hopefully the wide receivers, we see Zay Flowers get used a bit more downfield. We see Rashad Bateman start to connect because I know both of us feel pretty good about what Bateman's been doing on film lately.
0: Yeah, been really impressed with Bateman from a film perspective. I think he's looking healthier than he's looked in probably two and a half years. I think he's getting separation, really excited. Obviously, Zay Flowers was a massive disappointment last week. I think the talent's still there. I think the usage... I think we're starting to see this team basically try to utilise all these options and that's going to limit the amount of manufactured touches that Zay Flowers can get. I still think he's going to be good. I still think he's going to get his. It's just this offence needs to kind of settle in. I am a little bit concerned that the hype may be going a little bit too far on Keaton Mitchell. I was a massive fan in the offseason. I've got a hell of a lot of dynasty shares but I think this is still going to be a three-headed backfield. I think Gus Edwards is, you know, he's such a good short yardage back that he's going to carry those goal line touches. Justice Hill is so good in pass pro that he's going to be utilised as that receiving back. And I think Mitchell at best is going to be a change of pace, explosive option. I don't think he's ever going to be a 15 touch a game guy. So you're basically hoping for a decent game script for him to, be usable for fantasy so I'm just a little bit nervous there
1: the one thing I'd just push back on is Justice Hill has fumbled the ball or led to fumbles (laughs) at a crazy amount of rate Lamar's been credited with some of these fumbles and it's the mesh point in all these uh, run pass option type plays that it just doesn't seem to be there between Justice Hill and Lamar Jackson so if Keaton Mitchell is better in that area of the game I would not be surprised at all to see him edging ahead of Justice Hill but I don't think he can surpass Gus Edwards anytime soon.
0: No, absolutely. But then I think you've also got to look at, you know, Justice Hill has been kept into pass pro more than any other back on this offence. I think that's the element that's going to keep Justice feel- Hill on the field as such. Um, credit to Rory for for picking up on my uh, my bait that was trying to get you to talk about how good the, the Browns defence were, but, but not there. <laughs> um, my, my other nugget I just wanted to add in, Amari Cooper has been getting it done with Deshaun Watson so far this year. He's averaging only 10 points a game with Deshaun Watson on the sidelines, where he's averaging over 15.3 points per game with Deshaun Watson in the lineup. So, yes, tough matchup this week. Um, probably going up against Marlon Humphrey. But hopefully when we sh- Watson's playing, it's it's been good things for Amari Cooper.
1: I've just gotta gotta say though, Amari Cooper playing on the road, Amari Cooper's narrative, you know, he likes to be in his own bed when he's on the road, dating all the way back to the time with the Raiders his home road splits are they are volatile and I think also a Marcus Williams looks to be off the injury report and should be back this week I just, I don't think the Ravens are going to be giving up many deep plays and it might need to be a volume based game rather than picking up large amounts of yardage for Cooper in my humble Baltimore Ravens bias opinion
0: Of course, completely unbiased there. Talking of unbiased, we're we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh offence, which is one I've been hyping up for a while. Feels like Green Bay and Pittsburgh both need a a somewhat of a get-right game for the offence. Both teams have had struggles in recent weeks. Do you think there's any signs of hope for either of these two teams?
1: Well, as you say, like both these teams really need performances. I mean, I've got on John Lovett time. He's QB 17 in total points per game. I've got on Kenny Pickett plenty of times. He's QB 32 in points per game. Kenny Pickett, he's thrown one or fewer touchdowns in 20 of his 21 career appearances. He's got one 300 passing yard game in 21 appearances. Fantasy football, Pickett scored 14 points in 16 of 21 games. That is not good enough for fantasy football. Even as you QB 3 in Superflex, those kind of numbers aren't helpful. When you hit bye weeks, I'm in a bunch of leagues where I'm looking at having to start Kenny Pickett, and it feels miserable. But this game does feel like there's an opportunity for both teams to be able to not necessarily get right, but be able to put some points up. You know, John Love, he's not been a top 13 QB since week 13. Uh, sorry, since week three. But the Steelers, their past defense isn't as tough as it's been over the last couple of years, you can get at them. I think I'm really interested in the running backs on both sides. Uh, Aaron Jones was unleashed last week, 24 touches, after not having more than 11 touches at any point so far this season. He turned it into 99 yards, 18 PPR points. Even Najee Harris, like Green Bay, they allow the 10th most fantasy points to running backs, the 8th highest yards per carry. And Najee, he's top 10 in big run rate, which isn't something he's always been over the years. I've got on him about that kind of stuff. And he's struggled to bypass Jalen Warren, who is the RB35, Najee's RB39. But it just feels like this is the kind of game where he can get into the end zone. He can probably accumulate enough yards against a Packers defense that year after year don't live up to what we hope from them. So I don't mind starting Najee. Don't mind starting Jalen Warren at a push. We've seen we've seen how explosive he can be. Deontay Johnson, he's averaging like 84 yards per game and 6.6 uh, receptions per game since he came back. Pickens, I mean, it's a dart throw. It's boom or bust, much like Christian Watson on the other side. These are players that you can put in on best ball or DFS, and you can live with the zeros because we're shooting for ceiling outcomes. But in redraft, they're incredibly difficult players to start. I'm not seeing anything this week in particular where I'd feel more comfortable starting them. The Steelers are weak against slot-wide receivers, so if you want to take complete dart throw in DFS this week, you could maybe start Jaden Reed, but he's kind of faded away a little bit, sadly, after that he flashed to start of the year. And then in terms of tight ends, I feel like both sides you can just ignore the position really.
0: Yeah, I think Musgrove's got some interest, some upside, but he's certainly not carved out as big a role as we hoped when he flashed early in the season. I think the pickings, he's basically not produced when Deontay's been in the game. I think his splits are something like 16 points per game when Deontay's not played and eight when he has. I guess there's a potential squeaky wheel narrative, which you know I love, Tom, that he's been moaning. There's been some cryptic Instagram posts Maybe Pittsburgh start to feed him a ball, but yeah, I think Deontay's the the real guy here. He's uh, wide receiver 19 currently in points per game. That includes the game he left halfway through injured. I think he's a high-end wide receiver too when he's healthy and on the field, quite frankly.
1: Yeah, If the problem with Pickens is that what does it look like when he is the wide receiver, like when he does get fed? Are we going to see 15 points because he's getting those deep downfield targets? And, you know, you pick up one catch for 60 yards and still only walk away with like seven PPR points. What we need is like what Deontay Johnson gets, which is sustained volume, volume which he can then, you know, try to break some roots and try to break some yardage. So unless Pickens gets into the end zone, I just really have very little faith that he's actually going to put up a really good fantasy day.
0: Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Uh, we've got some questions in from Soothing Music. He says, "Is Brees Hall and C.D. Lamb too much to get Tyreek?" Um, that's way too much to, for me to pay to go and get Tyreek. Do you agree?
1: Yeah, I think um, even in redraft, I'm not sure I'd be looking to do that. The way the Cowboys have used Lamb lately has been really positive. Hall, yeah, there's been some down weeks, but I just don't. Th- yeah, I don't think I'd do that unless I had the world's most loaded squad.
0: I think you're basically paying a top five running back, a top five wide receiver for a top two wide receiver, and that that feels far too far too expensive for me to be doing right now. If you are watching and enjoying what you see, if you've made it 30 minutes into the show, hit that subscribe button. I guarantee you, we will help you win more fancy titles moving forward. The next matchup, again, this feels like another disappointing, rubbish game. Tennessee at Tampa Bay, two good defenses. Probably not going to be much on offense. Yes, I'm very negative about this slate, Tom. But can you can you spin any positives out of this game?
1: This game has so much sneaky upside. I don't know <laughs> what kind of miserable day you've had, Rich. But like, we've <laughs> got raining. Will Levis who has a really high a dart, high average depth average depth of target. Really high deep ball rate. We know he's going to push it downfield. Even last week when things weren't quite clicking for him, he had seven completions of 10 plus yards, not to mention like the week he had against the Steelers in his debut, not against the Steelers, against the Cardinals in his debut. Falcons, third time lucky. (laughs) That game where he just kept connecting. And yes, the Titans offensive line, they've lost more starters, and it's going to be really difficult for Levis to keep having that time to push ball downfield. But these are two pass-funnel defences. They're both better against a run, much better against the run than they are against the pass. Tampa Bay, they allow the most quarterback fantasy points per game. Tampa Bay allow the, uh, the second-most fantasy points to wide receivers, second-most to the slot. Tennessee, they allow the seventh most fantasy points to wide receivers, the fourth most of a slot. This is a game where I look at it and I just go, okay, yes, these are two teams who are mediocre on defense and they're mediocre on offense, but they're both going to play to each other's level. And I think that you can look at this game and you can attack it either with Will Levis, DeAndre Hopkins, and Chris Godwin, or you could play it from either side and go Baker Mayfield, Chris Godwin, and DeAndre Hopkins. But that is. The kind of combination of stacks that i will definitely be looking to play on this game
0: yeah i have got a call it a dfs theory question for you tom when you're looking to attack games and and go kind of heavy stack obviously this game is is quite a kind of a narrow point scoring option should we say you know tennessee you're basically looking at levis hopkins henry there's not much else maybe a little bit of tajay spears if you want to get deep Tampa Bay, you've got Mayfield, White, Evans, Godwin, and that's about it. Do you find yourself more attracted to this sort of matchup that's got four or five scoring options rather than a game like Cleveland-Baltimore, where you could easily talk yourself into kind of 10 players that could potentially be fantasy relevant?
1: So we'll get to another game this week, and I'm, I'm really excited about that's the Commander's Seahawks game. And There, I think that it's hard to go wrong with that game. So, in that kind of game, you're probably leaning into a bunch of chalk in that game and then having to look to get different elsewhere. Whereas this game, I think looking at ownership projections, the only player who's projecting highly is DeAndre Hopkins or Rashad White. So, I think you can attack this game and you've got a differential stack straight away. And then you compare that with chalk, you compare that with like your chalk running backs your chalk mini correlations elsewhere and you know that if your stack hits as well as the chalk hitting which you know that's what we're always counting on then you're immediately going to be propelled up the leaderboard and have really good leverage on other games it's it's tricky because Levis and Mayfield they're not going to give you the 100 yard rushing games you know they're not going to give you um, you'd be surprised if they rush for even a single touchdown or you know more than 30 yards but at the price they're at, if they can deliver you a 20-point game or a 23, 24-point game, as well as hitting on that sort of correlation and stack, then you're absolutely going to be in the green very quickly.
0: Yeah. I think you're hating on Levis's rushing upside. Four attempts per game, the most stats QB in the league. Like, I think there's a, some some rushing upside that he's he's untouched on there.
1: And, and do you think he'll get more than 30 yards a game? No, no. Well, that's four, what I said, we'll,
0: though. Well yeah, fair. We'll we'll move on quickly, Tom. Uh, so the so far, matchup, it's
1: so far thirteen yards across two games.
0: Okay, but four. But the rush attempts are there. Four rush attempts a game. Uh, so far, the over under for the next game at forty-one. Uh, New Orleans at Minnesota. The Josh Dobbs miracle continues. I know our Discord mainly led by member Zach, has been (laughs) bigging up the hype on Josh Dobbs all year. Do you think it continues?
1: I think the Josh Dobbs story is easily one of the most enjoyable ones of this season. I think you look at what he's been able to do compared with some of the more miserable quarterback rooms around the league. And it's fantastic. And you've got to applaud the Vikings for not standing still and not, sitting on their ass and letting a player stay with the Cardinals who would have become the QB two QB three or whatever. Now that Kyler's back and they gave up absolutely nothing to acquire him. And the feel good vibes around that team now are definitely, you know, they're helping that team feel better. And I think there's a lot of value in that. You know, we knew that the Vikings might take a backward step this year because they got very lucky last year in terms of one score games, kind of stuff that's not always sticky. But this year, they're still building. You know, they still need to take steps forward before we can really view them as a true contender. And having good vibes is definitely the kind of thing that teams have talked about how much that helps them, how much it helps the players in the building. I think it's going to be a tricky game. Uh, the Saints aren't a team that I like starting players against because they're a good defense. They. You know, they allow the four fewest fantasy points to opposing running backs. We've got that on screen there. So I'm not starting Alexander Madison. I know in the wake of the Cam Akers injury that, yes, he's going to see more work. But the team also talked about how Ty Chandler is going to get more opportunities now. I'm not sure why Ty Chandler didn't get those opportunities early on in the season, but it will be remains to be seen if he does get them. I think you can start TJ Hawkinson. I know he's carrying a bit of an injury, but he's averaging 60 yards per game, which is second behind only Travis Kelsey. He's had five plus receptions in the last five. We saw Josh Dobbs target the tight end position consistently in Arizona, so I don't think we need to worry about that. I think if you're looking to attack this from the Saints side, you can probably play Alvin Kamara. I think in DFS, very few people are going to be willing to go back to Alvin Kamara after we got well and truly rug pulled with him last week. You know, it was the perfect matchup against the Bears, and Taysom did what Taysom does. And, you know, now Taysom Hill's had three straight 16 plus point games. I think he's completely startable as a tight end uh, in one of the dynasty leagues we're in. I saw him go for two third round picks earlier today. I mean, the kind of production you're getting for that price is ridiculous. Chris Olave, I'd love to see him have a blow-up game here. The Vikings allow the ninth-most fantasy points to wide receivers. They're more vulnerable on the outside, the seventh-most to outside wide receivers. Yes, he got the touchdown last week, but we still didn't get that blow-up performance. You really just want to see Chris Olave go nuclear at some point. So, yeah, I mean, Derek Carr's been very good over the last few games. I think it's sort of like four or five games in a row now he's been over 15 points but I'm not going to be aggressively playing this game in DFS anyway but from a redraft point of view there's nobody I'm overly worried about apart from Alexander Madison
0: yeah no I, I tend to agree with you I do think that the Taysom Hill rug pull is is coming you know we've, we've spent the season so far being convinced that he's a fantasy, reliable player. Yes, we've always had those boom weeks, but people are talking themselves into the consistency. And I feel like that rug is about to get pulled down from under us, and he's probably going to do absolutely nothing and hardly play on the offense this week. But who knows? Maybe 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 he'll continue the consistency onto another week. But another matchup, the double A's, Atlanta at Arizona. Is this a case of new quarterback? Same problems for Atlanta.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, Taylor Heineke definitely didn't give them the kind of boost that they were hoping for. His completion rate was 56% last week, which is uh, 11% less than Desmond Ritter's 67% he's averaged all year. But what was kind of key for Falcons was Taylor Heineke only took two sacks in the last two games combined, whereas Desmond Ritter was averaging three per game. So when you're not taking sacks, you're not putting your team in negative yardage straight away, which means that you're able to lean more onto the running game. You're able to open up the playbook more. So I think Arthur Smith probably appreciates that. I'm not sure how much joy Arthur Smith gets out of anything, but that's probably one area that he's been pleased with Heineke for. This is the kind of matchup. If, if Taylor Heineke can't get it done against Arizona, then he doesn't deserve to start. You might as well go back to Desmond Ritter, even if the product is going to be absolutely awful. The Cardinals allow a league-high 72% catch rate to wide receivers. Um, The Falcons, you know, it's going to be interesting to see whether James Conner plays for the Cardinals. I know he can be activated, but we've not. Had any word yet but even if he does I wouldn't feel great because the Falcons allow the six fewest points to running backs. They're good against running backs catching the ball as well and they're also very good against wide receivers they've been strong against wide receiver ones all week. We've talked about it like when they played Nico Collins we said there was a week to sit Nico Collins. They've allowed the six fewest fantasy points to wide receivers per game and even with Kyler Murray coming back I wouldn't be jamming in Marquise Brown unless I absolutely needed to be because there's so many questions about what this offense is going to look like with Kyler Murray. He's averaged 38.7 rushing yards per game, like six attempts per game throughout his career. But that was pre-injury, and now we're talking about in a new offense. So this stat from uh, Rich Rebar was worth kind of bringing up and mentioning. The Cardinals have been under center for 30% of their dropbacks this season. For his career, Kyler Murray's taken just 9% of his dropbacks under center. So what does it look like? Is Kyler Murray going to be under center? And if he is, that's probably a bit trickier for the sort of running game. You know, yes, you can run out of there as a QB. You can bootleg out and do all sorts of stuff. But, you know, from the gun tends to be the position that you see these dual threats in more often than not. So, yeah, this is kind of a game where I'll probably just take a step back from it, let it play out. See how things go. I don't mind playing Drake London. I don't mind playing Trey McBride if I have to. And I could just about talk myself into a squeaky wheel narrative on Bijan because Arthur Smith absolutely must be feeling the pressure to get him more involved.
0: I'm going to be hyperbolic. I think this Atlanta offense is due for an explosion. Okay. <laughs> Taylor, Taylor Heineke, we talked about pushing the ball downfield. Desmond Ritter, through his starts, average depth of target 7.8, Taylor Heineke 10.1. Now, what if I was to tell you that Taylor Heineke attempted eight throws of 20, 20 yards or more downfield and connected on one? He has got a 12.5% completion rate. The NFL average is 37.5. Daniel Jones is second lowest in the league at 18.2%. His deep ball has, has just not been there so far through two games but it's coming. And I think that there could be a real potential for Carl Pitts, Drake London to get going with Taylor Heineke pushing the ball down the field more than we've ever seen this Atlanta offense do since Arthur Smith's been involved.
1: I think if you feel like that, I think this is one of those games that has the potential to jump into sneaky upside sort of DFS territory. So, you know, you can attack this game, like you said, Go and double stack uh, Taylor Heineke with Kyle Pitts and Drake London. Run it back with like you know Marquis Brown if you feel like volume alone could get him there because he should get peppered. He's going to have a thirty percent target share this week, and I think if you have a conviction on it, then this is definitely the way to play it. And those are the kind of weeks where yeah, you'll go straight up the leaderboards.
0: Member Martin is uh, not feeling quite as quite as positive as me, but maybe look. I was the one saying that all of these Atlanta options were going to be elite fancy options. So maybe I'm just, yeah, too far in the weeds to to answer truly. Uh Suzy Music's back. He's asking, should he trade Bijon and CD Lamb for Tyreek? I'll be honest, for me, I just don't understand. I don't see what you're getting moving from Lamb to Tyreek. I think that Tyreek's got an awful playoff schedule. I think that I would rather, I don't know what the rest of your roster's like. I would much rather try and Improve another spot if that's what you want to do over CD Lamb. I think CD Lamb's a top five wide receiver rest of the season. So I probably wouldn't be looking to move off him or upgrade off him. Do you agree?
1: Yeah. I mean, you look at what Tyree Kill's done this season. Yes, he had like a 44 point game to start the year. And then he's had, you know, two games over 30 points since. But over the course of the last four games, he's been averaging like 24 points. Um, I think the dolphins have talked about the fact that they want to get jalen waddle more involved coming out of the buy and i just yeah if i was going to trade cd lamb to get up to tyree kill i'd be looking at a much lower quality player to add on top of cd lamb to get to tyree kill i think yeah exactly that
0: uh Nice evening to you, NBA Riggs. Thank you for joining us. Much appreciated. And if you are joining us and you want to get your questions answered, get them in. But more importantly, you can become a YouTube member. You can get access to the Discord. You get 24-7 access to me and Tom, whether it be Dynasty, DFS, Best Ball, Redraft. You want to talk Bluey, you want to talk cricket. (laughs) You can get in our Discord. There's channels for everything and we'll answer 100% of your questions in there too. Uh, The next matchup, finally a decent over-under again, Tom. Detroit at the Chargers. This feels like this could be a really exciting high-scoring game against two great offences and two questionable defences.
1: Yeah, I think the... Key for me is how well does Justin Herbert play? He's only had one game over 11 points in the last three, which wasn't what anyone signed up for. It's kind of easier to plug and play Jared Goff at 6,400 on DraftKings this week than Justin Herbert at 7,700, I think. Um, in terms of how the rest of the teams match up, I really like this game for Sam Laporta. You see on the screen there, only rookie tight end ever to have at least 40 receptions, 400 yards, and four touchdowns through eight games. It's mind-blowing. Like This rookie class has been fantastic. Laporta is tight end four in points per game. And the Lions, just in general, they've just been excellent. You look across the board. Amar St. Brown, wide receiver six. Goff, QB 14. Jameer Gibbs, RB 10. David Montgomery, RB 8. And now we're going to see this kind of... What does it look like with Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery now that Gibbs has staked the claim to a bigger role? David Montgomery is healthy. He's off the injury report. And they're in this fantastic matchup against the Chargers who allow the eighth most running back fantasy points, the second most receptions to running backs per game. So you can take advantage of him through the air or on the ground that we were in that position. The Chargers, they also allow the fifth-most wide receiver fantasy points, the fourth-most wide receiver reception, uh, receiving yards per game. So, I mean, this Chargers' defense, it's just all the money's in Bosa, all the money's in Derwin James, and there is no depth there. There is nobody good outside of the two of them. They wasted so much money on uh, Justin Jackson, and that's kind of fizzled out. So, yeah, I think on the Lions' side... They allow the second fewest running back fantasy points, but they allow the 11th most receiving yards to running backs. So I don't mind starting Austin Eckler. I think the only players that I'd be looking for, like peripheral plays, is maybe a push Gerald Everett. I can't start Quedin Johnson still we see anything from him. He's the wide receiver, 112 in points per game. Jameson Williams, we're talking one game over four PPR points this season. They've both had so much opportunity and we haven't seen it and I'm fine being late on them. I don't know if you see it differently, Rich.
0: I'm, I'm fully out on both of them. I was I was low on both of them coming out as prospects. I didn't particularly love them. And yeah, look, whenever anybody struggles this much in the rookie season, I mean, I've put it out on Twitter a few times. Basically, the track record of anyone through their first eight games who scored as fewer fancy points as Quinton Johnston is NFL bust. Jameson Williams is that. 10 times, I think both of them are facing a real uphill battle to to basically be fantasy relevant ever again in their careers. Um, We've got a couple of questions in the chat about this game. Martin's asking, who will score more fantasy points, Gibbs or Montgomery? And are they both viable options? For me, I think they're now, if they're both in in the lineup, I think they're in that RB2 territory. I think they're still going to be top 24 options every single week, but I think they're going to eat into each other's workload that it kind of takes away that RB1 ceiling.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think I would lean slightly towards David Montgomery. I think he's still going to have the edge in pass protection, which does matter. I keep banging on about it. But the Lions love play action because Jared Goff's so much more effective in it. And that is something that isn't going to disappear. And David Montgomery, you know, when he's been out there, he's been very good. So, yeah, just leaning just towards David Montgomery for the time being.
0: Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I tend to agree. I also think he's going to get the high value touches in and around the goal line, like we saw Dan Campbell talking this week how valuable he is scoring touchdowns, and, and that's what matters, really, isn't it? Uh Blurpy's in the chat asking, Don'ta Foreman or James Connor this week in PPR?
1: I'd be starting Don'ta Foreman. Yeah.
0: It's it's. I've got them. I've got Connor ahead. But they're they're like two spots apart. So yeah, could could easily go foreman. He's got the matchup. Like it's a fantastic matchup this week. But I just I quite like that, that Atlanta Arizona game, shall we say? Uh and NBA rigged. Uh yeah, thank thank you for your kind words. Glad you're enjoying the show. Um, glad you enjoy the slides. We uh, we certainly enjoy putting them together. Uh the matchup you were teasing earlier, the matchup you want to attack in DFS, Tom Washington at Seattle. Is this one you're going all in on?
1: Yeah, it's the perfect bounce-back spot for the Seahawks after being embarrassed by the Ravens. Like, We haven't seen any great performances from the Seahawks offensively this year, I think, really. You go, Gino has had one top-16 QB performance. That was in Week 2. DK Metcalf's been over 14 points once all year. He's only got two touchdowns. Uh, Him and Tyler Lockett are back-to-back in points per game. Lockett's wide receiver 35. Metcalf's wide receiver 36. Further proof that DK Metcalf was always too expensive this offseason because he fails to separate away from Tyler Lockett. But this is the game where they can come into their own. Jackson Smith and Jigba, his yards per target, the first four games was 3.1. Over the last four, it's jumped like tripled to 9.1, which has been really encouraging. And the commanders, they allow the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. They allow the most total quarterback points to opposing quarterbacks. So that's all really encouraging. The commanders play at a very fast pace. They're third in pass rate over expected over the last four, just behind Kansas City. And that's what Eric Biennimi's got them doing, playing like they are Kansas City, regardless of what Sam Howell can do. And Sam Howell, for his point, I mean, you're just going to, I'm going to have to be a believer in Sam Howell now because all the word out of Washington is that they see him as the future for at least next year. And <clears throat> for fantasy, he's had 17 or more points in five of the last six games. The Seahawks, we know that you can get at their defense. They have some good players, but you know, they got, like I say, thoroughly embarrassed in every facet of the game last week. So I look at this game and I go, okay, well, I'd like to attack this with commanders stacks, I'd like to attack this with Seahawks stacks. And I think you can really mix and match an absolute bunch of these players. I'll be talking in the YouTube members only DFS clinic video this week, in particular about how I'm planning on attacking this one and the stacks and matchups that really stand out.
0: Yeah, I, I really like this matchup. I think a couple of those wide um, receivers are kind of must starts. DK gets in my top 12. Terry McLaurin's in my top 18. Uh, no, sorry, top 12 as well. I think that this could be a huge game I know you're saying Sam Howe and all the news, and there's been so many reports about him this week, but I still struggle to see a world where a new head coach, a new GM, a new regime commits to Sam Howe long-term. Maybe it's a, a, as a bridge quarterback, but I'm I'm yet to be convinced. I've been really impressed with him the last few weeks, but I still think I need to see more before I can be convinced that he's the the long-term answer in in Washington moving forward. Uh, Perhaps the less sexy of the matchups this week, the Giants at Dallas. Is this just a case of stall Dallas players and sit on New York Giants players?
1: I really don't have much to say on this one because, I mean, the Giants are 16 point underdogs. Uh, sorry, Dallas up to 17.5 now, you can see on screen. Like, they're just <laughs> with Tommy DeVito set to start again because Tara Taylor's an IR and might not return this season. This is one of those teams who should, you know, they've got to be looking at what was given up to get Josh Dobbs, and I know that was pre-trade deadline, and then the Daniel Jones stuff happened. But, yeah, it's just hopeless for the Cowboys right now. Saquon Barkley's had 58 touches in the last two games, but he's averaged only 15.8 points. Like, even volume is not going to help him pay off the kind of, you know, for a round one running back, we want over 20 points. The Cowboys, fail allow the fourth lowest yards per carry to running backs at 3.5, the ninth lowest fantasy points to the position altogether. If it's not Barkley, I don't know who it's going to be. You know, maybe somebody gets there in garbage time, but I don't know how you could try and predict who that's going to be. And as for the Cowboys, you're starting Dak Prescott, you're starting Tony Pollard, you're starting CeeDee Lamb, and hoping that they can get there before the game gets out of hand. But if the Cowboys' defense end up scoring a couple of defensive touchdowns, then it's going to be very difficult for any of these players to get there. I don't mind taking shots on Jalen Tolbert. I think even in garbage time, he's the kind of player who's still going to be playing. And at thirty three hundred on DraftKings, that seems fine. But yeah, this game it just won't be pretty.
0: Yeah, I, I really like Jalen Tolbert as you said, as that flyer it talks about him in the rises and falls episode out on on tuesday i think the fact that he's starting to take work off Gallup, i think he's gonna work into this offense the guy i'm i'm loving at the moment is ferguson i think he's really got a chance to be the the number two option in this offense i think he's he's been more impressive than i thought i would ever see from him i thought he was just gonna be maybe a a volume beast that didn't add much after the catch i think he's looked impressive separating versus man rather than just winning against zone and and has looked right after the catch. So I think if he can continue to put games together, he could be an absolute steal in, in redraft leagues because he was probably a late round pick, wasn't he? Um And you can probably still go and buy him cheap in some dynasty leagues. We've got a, a question, Tom, from NBA Rigged in the chat. He's saying in the Detroit... Chargers game, you said that uh, both defences are playing well. Who would you fade in this game based on the defensive strength, respectively?
1: Yeah, so going back to that game in terms of players, I think I feel more confident that it's going to be an Austin Eckler game than it's going to be a Keenan Allen game. I think I, you know I'd start Keenan Allen quite happily, but in DFS... My kind of natural lean at the minute is to go with Jared Goff, stacks with MR St. Brown, Sam LaPorter, and run it back with Austin Eckler, and then find the pay-down options around that. Um, just because I think Eckler is slightly more reliable in terms of scoring those big points more often than Keenan Allen, even though Keenan Allen is higher than him. You know, Keenan Allen's wide receiver five, Eckler's the back seven. But basically, most of the good, the good players... Pretty much straightforward plays for me in that game, and I wouldn't feel bad about starting any of them.
0: Nice. If you want to be like NBA Rigged and get your questions answered, get them in the chat. If you're not watching live, don't worry. You can still get your questions answered. If you comment below your question, Tom and I will answer 100% of the questions that we get asked. Whatever it is, Dynasty, Redraft, DFS, whatever you want, we will answer it, guaranteed. The sexy matchup, the Jets against the Raiders. This has got to be Brees Hall week all over, isn't it? I think Raiders are 30th, I think, in adjusted fantasy points allowed to the running back position. Brees Hall is an absolute superstar. Is it just wheels up for Brees Hall and don't touch anything else in this matchup?
1: I think that it's the running backs easily who have most appealing like Brees Hall like you say in adjusted fantasy points the Raiders give up a lot they'll have fifth most fantasy points straight up to running backs and you know what we've seen from Brees Hall yes it's been a little boom or bust but he's also had plays called back I think he had like a 50-yard play called back the other week didn't he for like an offensive line issue I think that this is probably Zach Wilson's last chance. You can see on screen one touchdown in the last four games. The Heat seems to be really building on the organization, and particularly Robert Sala, to stop rolling Zach Wilson out there because they are wasting this defense. They are wasting the players around him. And if you can't get it done against Adrian O'Connell starting what, like his third, fourth game or something against this raiders team who aren't particularly good who you know have all their own kind of issues themselves then you definitely have to look at making a change i think if you want to start garrett wilson you know i think you you know what you're in for at this point it could be very boom or bust on the raiders side i'd be looking at You know, Devante Adams and trying to find a better option. We know the Jets allow the fewest wide receiver fantasy points, they allow 21 per game to wide receivers, which is four less than any other team. So, Devante Adams, who's averaging 35 yards per game over his last five, I just, I'm not sure how that's how it's possible to start him. Yes, there's squeaky wheel narratives, which we like around here, but. Devontae Adams looked at his happiest last week when he was out there blocking. There's just been a complete mentality shift with the Raiders, and they're just having fun. Josh Jacobs got 98 yards and two touchdowns last week. But straight after the game, it was this week in the head coach's press conference, unprompted, he talked about how important it was for Josh Jacobs to get a 100-yard rushing game this year. And that matters on DraftKings. On DraftKings, you get a three-point bonus for that. So I think if you're looking for a showdown captain for this game, I don't mind playing Josh Jacobs, but yeah, I mean, real talk, it's not a game I'm going to be paying a lot of attention to or heavily investing in.
0: Yeah, sadly, I'll I'll be watching it, but I can't pretend that I'll be uh, enjoying it from a fantasy perspective. Um, Martin, obviously Dolphins fan, wants to take some shots at, at the Jets and Zach Wilson, he's asking you, Tom, which is more, Zach Wilson fantasy points rest of season or minutes in the new Bluey episode announced today?
1: So, what have we got? We've got 28 minutes in the new Bluey episode, and Zach Wilson has scored a total of. Yeah, I think it's sadly it's got to be Zach. Uh, he's uh, he's averaging about 10 points per game. So, yeah, just if he manages to uh, get a win here and stay the starter, then perhaps he can squeeze by that one.
0: Yeah, I think maybe maybe the problem is is that there's there's not any good options to move to. It's Trevor Simeon, which I think he's 13 and 17 as a starter in some bad teams. Like maybe he can just be competent. Maybe he's the guy to go and pick up in your Dynasty Two Flex leagues because I do think that leash on Zach Wilson is about to run out. Sadly,
1: I'd, I'd say. The big difference, though, between this year and last year is last year it felt in the building like the players were pissed off with Zach Wilson, and it felt like people within the building were desperate for a change. And this year it just feels more like the players accept the effort that he's putting in, they accept it's not good enough, and they're miserable about it. But you're not seeing the kind of clamouring perhaps from players that we did last year, so maybe that keeps him in the job slightly longer. I think I've, I've, I'm
0: sure I've had a few rants about this, but the issue last year was that he wasn't accountable. He came yeah. out after that game where he was absolutely abysmal and said, that the, the press asked him, Are you, do you feel bad for letting down defence? And he said, no, that's completely different this year. After every game, he's saying, I need to be better. I'm not good enough. I'm letting down the defence, blah, blah, blah. And players respect that. I think he is trying his best. He's sadly just not very good. And that's the problem.
1: So I mean also the offensive line is just disastrous. Yeah. Like it's even if Aaron Rodgers was out there, Aaron Rodgers would not be playing like he did in Green Bay. It's yeah, the idea that Aaron Rodgers is going to get back out there in a few weeks, and just I really worry about what could happen to him if he does get back out there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you know the, the Jets offense is is absolutely abysmal. We've got three guys that are out for the season on the offensive line from the starting five it's you know rookie undrafted guys starting all over the place it's an absolute tire fire so yeah not exactly excited about that um question in the chat uh even if james connor plays this week should i play ridley at flex still
1: yep i would yeah same so i like I. that matchup yep
0: yeah agreed and then the final matchup of the week denver at buffalo Feels like this could be a big get-right game for De- for Buffalo. There's some questions about whether they're a true contender. They're obviously on a bit of a skid. It feels like a big blow-up could be coming. Tom, do you think that could be this week against Denver?
1: Well, the Broncos have kind of gotten right on defense. You know, this like a tale of two different directions. Really, the Broncos over the last four weeks have. Uh, Allow You know, they went from having weeks one to five, they allowed the highest percentage of touchdown drives to occur. And then over the last three weeks, weeks six to eight, they've had the lowest. Meanwhile, the Bills' defense is dead last in DVOA over weeks five to nine. They've had injuries there. You know, they haven't gotten good performances out of Von Miller. Von Miller was the player that they were expecting to tip them over the edge. So I'm not sure... I think that the Bills are suddenly going to look incredible. I think on offense, I haven't had a problem with them. I know some Bills fans feel upset with Ken Dorsey and feel like he should be the guy who, perhaps, you know, is out of a job. But they play fast. They're fourth and pass rate over expected. Josh Allen is probably right up there amongst two or three options for MVP. Dalton Kincaid, he's averaged 16.4 PPR points over the last three. Top seven tight end for all three weeks. I think you know what you're getting there. I think you know what you're getting with Gabe Davis. Stefan, sorry, Stefan Diggs. Gabe Davis is always going to be a little boom or bust, but that's the nature of him as a player. We saw him coming close to the line of scrimmage and then with Kincaid's kind of breakout, we're seeing Gabe Davis again getting pushed further downfield. The running games would be very interesting. You know, James Cook's had one double-digit game in his last five games, and now you've got Leonard Finette getting more time with the team. Latavius Murray's bad. Damian Harris could be back in a couple of weeks. I'd feel very worried about him. But on the other side, the man I really want to see coming out of a Broncos spy is Javante Williams. You know, over his last three games, he's gone from 10 touches to 18 to 30. Um, the bills they allow 4.6 yards per carry, which is the fourth most of any defense. Are we going to see J- Javante Williams out there really just separate from Samaje Perine from Jaleel McLaughlin and um, be the kind of player the Broncos have been waiting on? I think that's absolutely the kind of key thing for me here.
0: Yeah, I love Javante Williams this week. He's a top twelve bat for me. I'd start him over. Bijon. I'd start him over Aaron Jones. I'd start him over Ramondre. I'd start him over Kenneth Walker, Jamal Gibbs. Like, I think he's an absolute smash play and this could be a really interesting matchup for him because I think Denver are going to need to control the ball and try and stay on offense as long as possible to keep the Bills offense off the field because we know that this Buffalo defense is falling apart. They're getting injuries all over the place, but this offence is still super elite. And I think that the Bills are going to be, want to be come out trying to prove a point that they're still a contender. And I think that the only way Denver have got a chance of staying in this game is trying to control the clock, trying to run the ball as much as possible. And I think that that all goes through Javante Williams. Beautiful. Well, that concludes it for the week. That is the show slate. We've got all those games all that DFS content. If you have enjoyed it, make sure you hit the thumbs up. Make sure you're subscribing. If you want more Dynasty content, Best Ball, Redraft, DFS, you can join as a member down below. And remember, if you want Tom's DFS content, he'll be back in the week with his DFS show, but you can get his members only by hitting that subscribe button down below. And we'll be back later in the week.